We want to continue with our series, WWJD series, What Would Jesus Do? Um, that's going to really deal with, you know, us as what we call the church. And when I say church, I'm talking about us who are Christians, who are saved, um, who are a part of this body of Christ. So I'm not necessarily talking about a particular denomination. I'm not talking about a particular church that you go to. I'm talking about God's church. I'm talking about the definition of what Jesus came to create. So obviously we have to start by understanding that there's a difference between our church and his church. And everything that comes with that, all of the things that we've created, all the things that we do and don't do, our checklist, how we are perceived in the world, the question on the table is like, whose church are we? And what did Jesus say about the church? What was Jesus's feelings about the church, the role of the church? What are we supposed to be doing? How does that impact our community, our culture? And I was thinking about this because uh, recently, many of you know I'm in, I'm in school. So um, we've been kind of talking about the impact of the church when it concerns like social issues, when it concerns our culture, when it concerns the relevant uh, concerns of our time and the church's impact on that. This kind of made me think about the church now and, and, and what we are trying to do with, and how our mindsets as individuals that make up the church affect the impact or lack thereof concerning the issues that matter. Matthew 23 is a chapter where Jesus basically goes into great depth about his idea of the Pharisees and the church, and not just the church per se, but religion, and what seems to be superficially more important, and what the heart of what Jesus wants us to be really is. Many of us are familiar with a church context in some way, shape, or form. We, we, we go to a church, we are part of a church, we are seeking to be a part of a ministry and that kind of thing. Many of you are here for the community and, and what is being offered here. So there's a context. This is about your individual accountability to being the church. And that responsibility in the community, that responsibility in how you think about what culture is saying the church should be. So we go to Matthew 23, verse 23, and I'm going to do the easy to read version. And it says, it will be bad for you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you are hypocrites. You give a tenth of the food you get, even your mint and dill and cumin, but you don't obey the really important teachings of the law, being fair, showing mercy, and being faithful. These are the things you should do. And you should also continue to do those other things. So basically what Jesus is saying is, in our relationship with religion, church, our traditions, and what we do, there's this context of loving our neighbor, which is what we talked about last time, right? This is idea of love. This is idea of serving others and, and doing these outward things because that's what the church represents. That's what the church is supposed to do. So it's very easy as a Christian to get caught up in doing outward things so that people can identify you as someone who's connected to Jesus. But Jesus is challenging the Pharisees here and the church, the church and the people who are quote unquote teachers of the law. So these are the people who everybody knows you go to church. These are the people who Jesus is talking to, the people who are obviously a part of a church community. And he's looking at them based on what they do and the checklist of what they're trying to do right. And he's challenging them that there are weightier matters that you cannot forsake 
in addition to what you've already been doing. So Jesus is not saying you shouldn't give, you shouldn't love, you shouldn't serve, but he's getting us to look a little deeper into other concerns because at the end of the day, the church is not just supposed to represent heaven on earth. It's supposed to change the world. We as the church, that's we, not your particular building, but we individually who have Christ on the inside of us are supposed to be conduits of change in our world, right? So lasting change is not superficial. Lasting change has a deeper level of concern for the issues that concern everybody else. So Jesus lists three things here. And if you read this chapter, Jesus goes in. Now he is going in on the Pharisees, going in on the religious leaders. He's going in on the people that represent quote unquote the church, because the truth is the church and how it looks gives us a picture of what God looks like. So if we are like walking around and half-stepping as the church, in and out or whatever we do, we've created our church, our definition of what a servant of God looks like, and our definition of what it means to be religious and to be saved and all this other stuff. People are getting that connotation and automatically attributing that to the truth about God. So Jesus is like, hold on now, there's a deeper responsibility. Jesus says, you, you give, you do all this other stuff. Don't stop doing that. Don't stop serving others. But what I want you to really be concerned about is justice. I want you to really be concerned about the weightier matters of the law, mercy and faithfulness. And today I kind of want to talk about this dichotomy between love and justice. You love somebody and you care about somebody, but what does that mean? And how far does that love go? So we were talking about loving our enemies last time. And boy, did I tell you that was a challenging, challenging devotional. And the only way we can do that is if we allow ourselves to see the situation and people the way God sees them. So it's humbling ourselves so that we might be able to see from God's perspective. In the same light, Jesus said, for God so loved the world, right? We all know that scripture. God loved the world. And God's love of the world is not absent of his sentiment towards justice. And when we say justice, I, I think that word is a loaded word in the context based on some of our um, personal feelings about what justice is. But we're not talking about any personal justice right now. We're not necessarily talking about any particular agenda in this particular session. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the justice that love upholds. When the Lord talks about justice, the Lord's talking about giving voice to those who do not have one. Standing up for those who are cast down in our society. Standing up for the victimized. Being concerned about the poor. And not just being concerned because our love causes us to be concerned, right? Our love causes us, are we being moved causes us to be concerned about them and be concerned about, you know, okay, well, let me help you. Let, let me give you this. Let me, let me give you a few dollars to get something to eat today. Let me give you a warm blanket because it's cold outside. But what the Lord is calling us to here is just as much as we want to be Christians with our checklists, Jesus wants us to also be concerned about what causes these kinds of things in our society. Jesus is challenging us to get to the root of what is causing such injustice and giving voice to those things. 
And giving voice to it is going to sometimes cause us suffering. Having the courage to stand up and say things that are going to ruffle people's feathers, but giving voice to those who are lost and those who don't know what to do, this is kind of what God is challenging us to do. So Jesus talks to the disciples, I mean, his disciples and the Pharisees, and he basically says, you know, woe to you guys, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you that are doing all these things. You're doing all these service things, you're doing all this other stuff, but you're not as concerned about justice to the point that it makes you want to get involved to challenge the root of the problem. Thinking about the impact of that each of us can have as a result of us experiencing the salvation of God. The question really is, like, when was the last time that your heart grieved when you saw somebody suffer? And grieved to the point that it caused an indignation inside you, a this is not right. And rather than just talk about it, Lord, give me something to do about it. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In that verse is given us a beautiful picture of what love and justice is. Because God loved the world, he gave a way out. Think about that. Like your love should surpass just pacifying things. And your love should be invested in the justice, which ultimately leads to the freedom of the other person. Like creating a pathway to freedom is what God has called all of us to do. So this is greater calling that God is calling us to not just be practitioners of love, but also invested in justice and not just our personal justice, not just the things that concern us, because it's very easy to get that way. It's very easy to look at the world from the context of your own injustice. We can always look at things from the context of God loves me instead of God loves the world. And this is what happened to me instead of this is what happens to a lot of people. And we are all experiencing the loving grace and justice of God. And God wants us to perpetuate that. So Jesus really goes in in Matthew 23 about this. And I think the heart of this is really, God is really trying to get us out of the mindset of selfish Christianity. He's trying to get us out of the mindset of just being like, it's about us and it's about what we feel is right and what we want and what we, like God wants to use us to promote his agenda. And this is what the crux of this series really is. What would Jesus do? It's not what would we do. It's not what would we think. We're looking at Jesus in light of all these areas that concern us most and want to be like Jesus. And we want to think about it the way he does. And I think that's where it starts. Before you can do anything, he wants you to start thinking like him. Before you can be like him, he wants you to feel what he feels about it. And when you read Matthew 23, Jesus is very disturbed about those who claim to be connected to him, not caring about the things that he cares about the way he cares about them. Do you care about the marginalized the way Jesus did? Do you care about what's going on in the world and the political issues? Do you have the same opinion as Jesus about abortion? 
Do you have the same opinion of Jesus about certain other issues that are really popular right now? Are you thinking the way Jesus is thinking? And are you seeing it the way Jesus is seeing it, even if you don't personally agree with it? And this is the challenge of this series, which is like really the heart of it. Now, just imagine this. If you are feeling a certain way personally about something, and Jesus is saying and feeling a certain way about it, and you are a part of the church, which is representing what God's heart is for the world, how confusing of a message are we sending the world about God when we don't agree on Jesus's heart towards certain things? It's a challenge for all of us because some of us are products of things and things happen in our lives where we have kind of shaped our opinions and shaped our identity on. There's certain things in our lives that we have, um, that has ha have happened to us, that we've experienced, that uh, people who we love have experienced, and it has shaped our opinion about things, ethical things. But the challenge about being a Christian and the challenge about being saved and giving your life to the Lord is to now, your prayer has to be, Lord, help me to agree with what you say even though I don't physically agree. Help me to love you enough to be able to see things and willing to see things the way you see them. Jesus said, Matthew 25, 36, I need it closed. And you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. These are the actions and the behaviors and the demonstration of that love that actually lead to people's deliverance. The love of God delivers. The love of God doesn't placate. The love of God doesn't patronize. The love of God doesn't put a bandaid over stuff. The love of God seeks to deliver. It seeks to put people on a path of freedom and redemption. So that means that our love has to run deeper. And the reflection of that love is seen most effectively through the church of God on the earth. And who's the church of God? We are. Like all of us individually are God's church. And it's about time for it to be God's church and not our church. I often think about all the community needs that we have and all of the problems that we have in the world. And if it was possible, for everyone to just have one opinion about things, and that's Jesus' opinion. If all of us were able to agree on, well, what does Jesus say about this? What, what does the word of God teach about this? Or what, what can we take as a whole, outside of our own feelings, what, what can we take from this? And what if we just did that as a community? What, what if we just did that as, as a body? Wouldn't that be awesome? Just one agenda. In this chapter, he, he's, he's really like picking apart all the stuff that people like to see the church doing. So all the superficial stuff that we do to be religious. But is our heart really concerned about justice? Is our heart really concerned about mercy? And not just personal mercy. Not, Lord, I need mercy. Be merciful unto me. But... God's mercy on all of us as a whole. I just think that the world would be a lot better and we would be a lot better. Just to reiterate what you said, 
that taking our cue from, because really that's what this whole series is about, is taking our cue from Jesus and what he says and how he feels, because ultimately that's what we're supposed to be doing in life is taking on the mind of Christ, which includes taking on the feelings of Christ, the heart of Christ. So that should be the governing factor in the decisions we make and what we choose to fight or advocate for. Mm. Because there is that temptation to approach, I'll say injustice, Mm -hmm. you know, in quotations, Mm -hmm. through the uh, experience of us. Right. And with us, that includes our family situation, that Mm -hmm. includes our race, Mm -hmm. that includes our likes and dislikes of what we may have experienced in the past that sort of sets us on a crusade in the future Mm -hmm. to fight anything that mirrors that or looks like that. But ultimately, and it's a hard pill to swallow, Mm -hmm. that what happened to us personally may not be what Jesus is categorizing or classifying as an injustice. Mm -hmm. It could be something bad that happened, but it's not necessarily an injustice. Proverbs 6, 16 uh, through 19 says, uh, this is in the Amplified, these six things the Lord hates, indeed seven are an abomination to him. Mm -hmm. A proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, even under oath, and he who sows discord among his brethren. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that God hates. So these are the things that we should hate. Mm -hmm. So when we approach advocating or fighting for injustices, or even even how we look at who is experiencing injustices, that's our guideline. That's that's mm-hmm. right, the criteria that we're going based off. Not so much what we as a people may have experienced. And in looking at those requirements, mm-hmm. that may include something that exactly. Yeah. Or an experience mm-hmm. that we as a people may have experienced or we as a family may have experienced. But I think ultimately looking at it as the ultimate goal is what brings people closer to God. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be fighting for yeah. and advocating for. And that's what should make us indignant. That's what should make us angry. That's what we should be putting a voice for. Mm-hmm are fighting for, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like it, it should 100%. be because Jesus definitely spoke out, Absolutely. but he was very careful in what he spoke and in what situations he chose to speak on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think we as Christians, it's a good look. I don't think it's a good look when anything, anytime someone, something jumps off, we're speaking our, our, our words should be seasoned, right, with, with salt, mm-hmm. with grace, rather. So what we're choosing to speak on, we need to be checking it. Is it something that has to do right. with what displeases and angers God? Not us, but God. Yeah. And the yeah. recurring theme in 
what the scripture is saying in Proverbs is basically anytime we are putting ourselves above other people, which is what, you know, the, the opposite of what we're called to do mm-hmm. throughout the gospel. You mm-hmm. know, the theme is to put people above you mm-hmm. before you, right? So anytime that is going on where, where someone is doing the opposite, even yourself is doing the opposite. Yeah. Or anytime somebody is speaking ill against someone undeservingly mm-hmm. or untruthfully, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that God hates. Shedding innocent blood. Mm-hmm. That's a big issue currently in our society. Yeah. And the truth is, it's innocent blood. For whatever reason, the circumstance happens. And th- these are the things that God is looking for us to speak out on. Absolutely. And to let it go on record. No, I'm sorry. It may be an unfavorable situation or it may be something that's inconvenient based off decisions made. But the truth of the matter is, when you abort a child, a baby, that is innocent blood that is being shed. And God is not pleased, period. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. And I think this is where the challenge is as far as how much you really love God and how much you trust that even if I am a proponent of that, even if I have personal feelings about it because I've experienced it or I had to do or whatever your reasoning is, mm-hmm. like still allowing your respect for God's standard to be something you're reaching for or at least seeking God for help on. Everybody's got their thing though, but this is the time where God is calling people to be a lot more courageous and prophetic in their speech and that, listen, I struggle with the same thing, but it's still not right. Then I'm not going to make an excuse for something that I'm doing that is plainly something that God doesn't like. Why? Because I'm the church. And if the world is supposed to get a real concept and idea of who God is, then, then I, can't, I, I can't find myself enabling or, or not standing up for the heart of God that is obviously what he says. And I just think about like, almost like a child, when something is going on, they, they may look to someone in authority as if to say, is, is this okay? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Is this normal? Is this mm-hmm. what I should be? Because there's such an unknowing that they have mm-hmm. that they're trying to understand or grasp what is right from wrong. Right. They are learning it. Yeah. And they are looking up or looking to someone that seemingly knows to guide them. That's who we are in the world. Just like a child, the world is ignorant, mm-hmm. really. Society is ignorant, and it's the blind leading the blind. The they're blind yeah. <clears throat> and they're looking, and they need that direction. They, they need that guidance, and they need a voice to speak out and definitively establish what is right from wrong. Mm -hmm. This is an injustice. This we speak out against. Mm -hmm. This is what God said about this. And when we do that, now the line has been drawn. There's, it's not wavy, it's not vague. There's a line that has been drawn because we have spoken out 
And but when we speak out on any and everything and we speak out on from our emotions, yeah, personal agendas, or, right, mm -hmm. from our personal agendas or, or what we we deem as an injustice or we deem right from wrong. Now the line becomes mm -hmm. uh, blurry mm -hmm. and now it becomes relative to what this person thinks and what that person thinks. Well, I think you shouldn't do this and I think you should do this. Well, I think that this is wrong and this these people are wrong and this they're off. And then mm -hmm. before you know it, you have chaos. Mm -hmm. When we are called to be that barometer mm -hmm. for the world to know, okay, this is wrong. Why? Because God said because it. Because God said it. Mm -hmm. A lot of what you said, we get into those art like, I think, I think, I think. Right. Well, everybody has an I think. So whose I think is better and stronger? Well, then that depends on who the I is. And for every group of people that have experienced a misjustice, mm -hmm. there's another group of people that have experienced the same misjustice, possibly at the hands of the people before. Yeah. There's always, so there's always this sort of, uh, I call it a bowl of spaghetti because it, there is no one right or wrong if mm -hmm. you're dealing with people. Right. So then it has to become what God says. And that has to be our governing standard. That's yeah. what we go based off of. And that's what we choose to advocate for and speak on the behalf of. Because we're the mouth and the hands and the feet of God in the earth. Amen. Amen. So we pray that you receive this challenge today as we are uh, looking to grow in this area of being more like Jesus, thinking like Jesus thought, um, saying what Jesus says, feeling the way Jesus feels about the world we live in, about the situations that concern us, and having the courage to embrace all that the Lord is urging us to be despite how we feel about it personally. Amen? Amen.